think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, huge. Not- and I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the Box with Serge Negus on FBI. Thanks to Alex Byer for the epic morning of Sydney Music and Culture News. If you missed anything she played, you can head to fbiradio.com to catch up on mornings or any other program here at the station. Now, my guest on the show today is literally a GOAT. And, and what I mean by that is it's an acronym for what is basically literally the greatest of all time. He is, of course, Sean White. 13 times X Games gold medalist in snowboarding. Three times Winter Olympic gold medalist. One of those this year in Pyeongchang. He is such an incredible guy. It's a pleasure to have him on this day. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Now, this show, look, it's very much a a life story show. So I really want to get a picture painted of your childhood because things kicked off very early for you, right? When it came to skateboarding and snowboarding, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was introduced to it at a young age. My brother, he's seven years older than me, was always skating around the neighborhood and I, I, I wanted to do what he was doing. So I picked that up and then later on he started... Uh, snowboarding and uh, I had to do what he was doing so picked up snowboarding and um, you know things really blew up from there honestly I sponsored at seven and it's wild, off right? to the races you yeah. actually debuted at the X Games at 13 right yeah I was there before but they wouldn't let me compete why not because it doesn't look very extreme with a 10 year old hitting the big gaps <laughs> big jumps and you know so they're like 13 sounds about right and so I, I waited and then finally got to compete and, and went pro at 13 wow. for and those reasons but yeah how'd you go in that first first X Games I remember being nervous, pretty terrified. Um, I got to forerun once before, and I remember standing in the start gate with it was Jeff Brushy and you know I'm, I think Terry and a bunch of other guys were there, and I was just freaking out because I'm about to run this course. And I remember my mind was still, but my legs were just shaking. I was literally, <laughs> literally just quivering, you know, with, with anticipation for what I was about to go do, and everybody was watching and whatnot. And uh, you know, obviously those those fears and and um intimidations have settled dramatically yeah. over the years you know i've really sure. fallen into my role as a competitor but um but yeah it was it was pretty intense was it just like i guess time that it took or was it the amount of hours of practice you put in like what how did you get rid of that fear just time just practice i mean it's like speaking in public or something like that if you're if you're terrible at it you just do it and do it and do it until it just becomes natural to you i think i mean everything's kind of been that way i mean even speaking in front of you know news television cast things like that being on tv is crazy you know i would watch my interviews and go gosh i look nervous or oh, I, I i'm trying to just answer so quickly i don't even know what i'm i'm gonna say and then i try to lead the conversation to where i wanted to go and i realized i could like take my time and figure it out and formulate an answer and then answer you know i could pause things like that so when it came to the sport of snowboarding i realized like well gosh i showed up and there was two hours of practice, and I did the entire practice, and I was killing it the whole time. And then all of a sudden, I got to the competition and failed. Well, man, I just did 20 perfect runs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall eventually. And so I, I realized that I was over practicing, and I was so like that's one example of like many little tweaks that I've done over years and years of competing um, that allow me to like show up and just perform at my highest level. How much is it mental then? Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, I would say it's more than half. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. And is and is that an up and down thing that you constantly have to manage? I mean, like, what do, what do you do to, I guess, relax yourself when you've got so heightened by being in these intense competitions? Well, it's heavy. You know, I mean, um, <laughs> it, it's not so much. It's not so much the competitions. It's it's it's. I would say staying motivated. It's 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 like winning's only the beginning of it. You know, once you win, that's great. You climbed up, you got the gold, you reached the top of the mountain, and, and there's just another mountain waiting. You know what I mean? And 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 to stay on top and to stay motivated—that's the real key to success. And 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 being able to manage those expectations and and rise to the occasion when you when you're needed to. But um, I don't know a bunch of different things in my life. Skateboarding, I'd say. Every single winter, I would stop. You know, right at the tail end of winter, and 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 
go right into skateboarding every mm-hmm. single summer. So I put the snowboard away, start skateboarding. So by the time I was tired of snowboarding, there's my skateboard. And I would go and have fun with my friends in the summertime, do my thing, and then boom, I come back to the mountains and I'm like, wow, I want to snowboard again. It's exciting. No you know? But, and but you did skateboarding competitively too. You won gold medals in the X Games for skateboarding. Yeah, did that of course. change the way you perceive skating then after that? No, I mean, I love to skateboard. I mean, even when I kind of like wound down my vert skating career, I you know, continue to just skate for fun. I have like a little mini ramp in the backyard and things like that. But, um, but it's always like this consistent, you know, revolving wheel of excitement in the sense. Cause it's like once to, skateboarding becomes tired, I move back to snowboarding. When snowboarding's tired, I go back to skating and things like that. But, um, skating just took on a whole new life because I was able to stay like in that competitive mode during the summertime so every competitor on the snow that was like oh well, cool we're gonna go kick it and do whatever and wait for the next season to roll around roll around i'm still in the thick of it i'm yeah. like all right i got a pressure situation i gotta land my run i'm i'm working out i'm staying strong and and it really kept me you know lively in the sports um but yeah i don't know i think it's definitely it, it was a product of something that i really wanted to do and then it was also uh, the fact that I needed to get away from like the control my sponsors had. Yeah. Honestly, it was like they were sending me around the world to go snowboard, and and rightfully so. They're paying me, you know, good money to be Sean White, the pro snowboarder, and I'm like, you know, wanting to enjoy my be life a as, a, as I mean, a 16 year old and like hang out at the beach, you know. So I I definitely like. I went pro so that I could be home and yeah. I could like be like, hey, look, I can't go do that because I'm doing this. But that's an interesting yeah. thing, right, though. You know, you started this so young as like a prodigy in some sort of way. I mean, like, were there certain things that you are sacrificed <coughs> as as a kid to be able to do this? Because everyone would perceive it as being just this amazing career. You're a pro snowboarder, but yeah. what, what did you lose? There's two sides to every coin. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> I think sixth grade camp... <laughs> It's so dumb. I mean, you go in the woods and you basically like touch trees and kick yeah, rocks, yeah. And, like do the lamest things ever. But um, but for some reason that was like the one thing that bummed me out. I didn't really go to like prom or some school dances, things like that. But honestly, I don't know. I I feel like I had such an amazing upbringing because I I got to see what life's really like. I mean, I got to travel around the world, try different foods and, 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 and meet different people and just kind of see how people around the world live and, and like be humbled by the fact that you, you know, are fortunate to have so much, you know, when you see people without. And so, um, I don't know. I thought it was great. You know, I don't know. The only sacrifices were, were relationship related, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm not getting to see my brother for a while or my sister or, or man, like I'm kind of losing touch with my friends because of these these trips and these long stints on the road but um but then i had like a whole nother family on the road so it's yeah yeah it's weird it's weird but i will say when i was i was 13 i went pro and all the other competitors were in their mid to upper 20s so i grew up pretty quickly so I imagine like maybe you had your first beer probably quicker than most people. <laughs> no, actually, I was such a late bloomer with all those things because I wanted to win so badly. Yeah, right. The competitive and, streak was just too much. Yeah, but it was like a lot of the guys, and not to say they, they didn't earn it, but like, you know, they had a good movie part or they, you know, I don't know, were like the new flavor. They were like the new guy on the scene and they had all the new gear and they were getting their way paid to the competition. And like, I'm in a van in the parking lot with my family camping out in order to make ends meet. And I'm like, I want that. I want to be in the hotel. I want to have that. You know what I mean? It was like, it was the driver. It wasn't an envious thing, but you know, I was motivated. I was just like, man, I remember being a competition in Japan and like, I flew my, my parents out there with me. I'm underage. I got to like travel with somebody, you know, and, and I'm put, got a hotel rooms and all these things. And, and these other athletes were like getting paid to be there. And they went out and partied on that money that they got to, you know, they get per diem right when they got there and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so they go out partying one night and the next day they show up and they're all hungover and they blamed it on the jump. They're like, the jump's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the jump's pretty good. I'm kind of killing it, man. And they all wanted to not do the competition and split the money. That's so And I funny. was like, you guys, I, I can't even like, I'm not even going to break even on the fact of the flights and the lodging and the food and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. That is so crazy. I sat there, I stuck to my guns and I like ended up winning the event, you awesome. know, but, but yeah, I was more motivated to like, 
to win and all that stuff. I, I was a late bloomer with with drinking and, and girls and things like that. I was pretty shy. Fair enough. Well, it's, I'm yeah. sure it's all come to you. But look, moving on to the music, you've, you've put together a playlist for us. <coughs> well, what's the first song you're going to play? you got some Bob Dylan. you got a, you got a bunch of stuff. What, what yeah. are you going to throw Let's on? Let's go Bob, man. For sure. He's my neighbor. Really? Yeah. Have, have you met him? What's he like? <laughs> no, I would love to, though. <laughs> the first thing I did is I bought a, a really cool photo of him. Um, it's like a tour photo. And... Uh, just in case the power goes out and he comes over looking for sugar or eggs or something. <laughs> like, Bob, hey, Bob, by the way, you've got to sign this for me. <laughs> That's classy. Yeah, well, this, this, is the Bob. Man, this is The Man in Me by Bob Dylan. Listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today is three-time Olympic gold medalist and 15-time X Games gold medalist, snowboarder, skater, and even musician Sean White. Now, look, mate, your your life revolves around a sport that is, you know, you could die doing every day. It's so technical. It's so dangerous. Uh, what goes through your mind when you're, you know, 20 feet out of a half pipe doing, you know, a double cork and all these spins? Like, what what actually goes on in your head? <laughs> um, I don't know. It just feels natural to me. I mean, I, I like trip running up the stairs, but like when I'm on my board, I'm like, I'm on it. This is like the position I know um, and I know what to do and, and how to get out of bad situations and things like that. So it's almost like going in with a lot of confidence. I'm just like, confident for the next wall or the next hit things like that um and even when i'm trying a new trick i'm pretty confident i'm gonna make it just because like i've done every little necessary step to like get ready for that trick i've i've you know done something similar i've been you know taking off switch because that's what i do in that trick. you know any little thing i can do to prepare myself for that trick um and then i finally give it a go but um the dangers are heavy i mean honestly it's they're 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 there they're real i mean like i busted my face open i've been riding my entire life and i've just miscalculated something and boom Mm. i hit the top of the wall 22 foot jump to the bottom split my face open i'm in a helicopter flying to the hospital 
And, and this and you're, this happened just before the Olympics. This, as well, yeah, this was moment. rough. This was like two months or so before the Olympics, and um, and and not only like was it a physical setback because I had to heal myself, but it was a mental setback. You know, I had to now go out and do that same trick in order to win the Olympics, and yeah. and it wasn't an easy hill to climb because. Y- you know, I was pretty confident I, I was going to do that trick. And I was like, all right, I'm going for it. And, and you know, getting back out in the mountain again, I was, everybody was like, you got it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I had it the last time, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, so What, what, what it's small hard. things happen that mean that, like, an accident like that can happen, like, go wrong, I guess? Like, like what little like, things? In, yeah, are... what little things? Like, what is it? Is it like a, a, a speed thing? Is it a, what is it? it? It can be any of those. I mean, it could be you took, you know, not enough speed. It can be the conditions. It could be, you know, you, you didn't warm up enough. You know, it really depends on, mm-hmm. on the rider and, and the trick and, and what's happening. But um, I know right away when something's wrong. <laughs> it's like when you're playing soccer or something and you kick it and you know, you, you know it's going in or something Yeah, like that, for sure. Right? You're yeah. like, oh, here, yeah, you can yeah. see it going toward, you know, the goal or whatever. And, and so for me, you can kind of feel it right on the takeoff. Um, this one didn't actually feel that way. This one <laughs> was a surprise. Felt I think that's good. why, <laughs> wow. that's why um, it caught me off guard as I came around and I was looking for the landing. And the this trick itself was perfect. It was just the wall I was doing it on wasn't... I had no business doing it there, mm. and sure enough, I caught the top and then bounced to the bottom. But um, you know, I made the very important and but simple lesson of I learned the, the lesson of what not to do. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'll never do it in this certain situation again. I'm going to wait for it to be perfect, and I did. And this was leading into the Olympics, like you said, and, mm-hmm. and at the end of your run in the Olympics, when you you won the gold medal, yeah. you were very emotional, which is something yeah. we haven't seen too much of from you before. I mean, why were you so emotional? What was it? Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a long story, but you know, I was so emotional because this trip back. I don't want to even call it back to the top, but you know, in the eyes of the world, back on top of my sport, you know, it was an emotional journey. It wasn't a physical one. It wasn't like I needed to go get stronger and 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 work out more to like <laughs> you know stay on par with the younger generation of riders. It wasn't that. It was just that like I was standing at the top of the half pipe in in Sochi in 2014, and I was like, I'm gonna lose. And it was the worst feeling ever. And I didn't know why. It's never happened to me before. I'm like the killer. I, I, I just get in there and I, I make it happen. It doesn't matter the pressure. And that's me through and through. And I, I'm stood stood there and I'm like, I'm going to lose. And it was awful. It's like being stuck in a movie where you have no control of the outcome and, and you know what's what's about to happen. And, uh, and so after that, I had to sit with myself and go, well, why? Why do I feel this way? And what can I do to change that? So I like called my mom, I like, called my brother. I like, I like called, you know, friends I haven't spoke to in years and, and, and old relationships and things like, like really kind of like getting my mind right. And then I took these like little steps, all these tiny little steps to kind of better my mental well-being of like, you know what? I should work out. I never really worked out before. Oh, wow. Why would I, if I was winning? So I was like, you know what? I, I not that I need to get stronger, but like, Hey, it's like, it's just going to make it that much easier for me. And I went on this thing of like, try to be kind to myself. And I didn't do half pipe and slope style. I would have loved to have done slope style. I, re- I still want to do slope style, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be kind to myself and just stick to being really, really great at riding half pipe. And I had a new coach, a new physical therapist, all these people around me to kind of like create this motivational you know, atmosphere. And, um, and then sure enough, I'm, I'm doing all the right steps. I'm winning all these amazing events and and I'm teed up to, to, in my eyes, win the Olympics, which was like a big, you know, coming back on top. And yeah, it's just like, this is the goal and boom, I'm in the hospital in New Zealand. I'm like, wow, I'm sitting there in the hospital thinking, you know, life's going to test you with these things and anything you do. And, and I had to sit there and, 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 ask myself, you know, how badly do you want this? And, and is this really worth it? And, um, and you can't really lie to yourself. <laughs> like mm. I can tell you, I love the sport or whatever, but I truly know inside you can't lie to yourself. I was like, I want this that feeling. badly. I'm going to, I'm willing to step back out on the snow and potentially let this happen to me again. That's how bad I want it. And so it was like this emerge, uh, uh, emotional journey to get there. And then Man, what a what a contest it was like. Yeah. First run amazing score, get beat out, fall on the second score uh, or second run and uh stand at the top, last guy to go, one more run and 
boom, I nailed it. And I just like, it all came pouring out. And my family was there, you know, they, they knew how much I wanted this. And uh, Jake Burton standing there, guy gave me my first snowboard when I was like six wow. years old. I yeah. mean, it's nuts. It made for an incredible Olympic moment that I'm sure yeah. will be part of those like kind of mashup videos that go mm-hmm. look at all these different Olympics over the histories. But I love it. Yeah, they said it's the second highest viewed event in the olympics in in the history of the olympics yeah awesome man it's incredible now look moving on to the music again what's number two what's the song you're gonna play for us number two ah what do we got on there how about the arcs arcs yeah it's a a a spinoff of the black keys with the dan abernack i think you pronounce it (laughs) awesome let's hear it yeah bud You're listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today is three-time Olympic gold medalist and 15-time X Games gold medalist, snowboarder, skater, and even musician, Sean White. He's out here because he's got an event, a, a festival of sorts, yeah. for, for his big air competition, which is going to happen in August, which we'll talk about more. But you were just saying during that break, <laughs> in that song by the Arcs, that you were actually in one of their film clips. Yeah, well, not the Arcs themselves, but uh, the Black Keys, oh. which uh, Dan Dan Abernack's from the Black Keys singing on that, that, that's, that track. But... Um, 
yeah, it's the the song is called Howlin' for You. And uh, I shot a little music video for them where I actually get murdered in the in the video. <laughs> Wait, did you write <laughs> we that found in? out I could play a pretty good dead guy. <laughs> it's not classic. hard. You just that's so funny. There. But look, you know what? You, you music is a huge part of your life. You've, yeah. you've had bands. Like, tell, where, where did the, the the musical string come from? From you, like, given that you've got so much going on, you got yeah. the snowboarding, the skating. How did music come into the fray? You know, it's interesting. I, 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 no one in my family plays music. We can't even carry a note singing. Like everyone's pretty terrible at it. Um, but uh, I won a, a a guitar at a snowboard competition, and I didn't think much <laughs> of it until you know my neighborhood buddy started playing. I was like, oh wait, I got a guitar, and you know, it was a trophy. I didn't think of it as a guitar; that was a trophy. And so I break it out and I start playing it, and I just fell in love with playing. And there's a certain thing that comes with music that's so important to me and 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 i needed it in my life at the time but there's no real winning in music it's mm. like you just kind of create it's like who's mm. the best guitar player it's all opinion it's is it Jimi hendrix is it jimmy page is it uh you know santana <laughs> like, yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and it's all opinion it's it's and so um you know i loved i loved playing for those reasons it was like a humbling thing i'm like wow i'm not going to be the best at this and and my whole world was built on like being the best at everything and so um you know i just enjoyed playing because i need to physically or, or mentally be doing something all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was like the one thing that i could be doing something while doing nothing like i could sit there and still be doing something with my hands you know yeah. and uh and so I learned to play by sitting in hotel lobbies, waiting for, man, you don't realize how much <laughs> waiting there is. Waiting for the bags. Oh, the bags got delayed. Cool, another hour wait. I mean, I would just break out the guitar and play. And so I learned how to play on the road and bumping into people and learning little riffs and licks and things. And uh, and so, yeah, I formed a little band with my friends um, and we started kind of messing around making our own stuff. And then when I moved to LA, that was like really eye-opening. There's some really talented musicians in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that was kind of inspiring and, and yeah, so on. What was it like when you first got up on a stage though and actually <laughs> performed like as a band? Like did that, was that yeah. a bit of a trip for you? Cause it was so different to what you were used to when it come to your your work, I guess. Yeah, well it freaked me out. And it was funny cause my band laughed at me cause I was sitting there <laughs> and I was like, all right, I gotta do this. I literally said that out loud and they were just like, <laughs> dude, we got to do this. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. We all got to come together to make this a great show. And, and that like team spirit, that camaraderie, it was, it was really fun. And it complemented my other life, which was just all me in my own head and, and what I want to do and when I want to do it. And so it was great. You know, you go out and play a show together and, and uh, you get better and better. But I, I remember being terrified because I was Sean White from snowboarding. And I was like, God, are people going to like, just like, right, you all. not take me seriously <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And so that's why I had like practiced so much in my spare time. Because I knew this moment, had foreseen it was going to happen. And I, and I made it a reality. And, and I was proud that I, I can play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I got up there and I played and it was great. And it, like, is that something you're going to continue doing? Do you reckon you're going to keep going with the music thing? Because yeah. I, I feel like it's probably more sustainable than competitive snowboarding or skating. Yeah, right? yeah, eventually. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, I just like being around it. I mean, I, I just like being near music, musicians, and in that kind of creative headspace and all those things. So I think I get a lot of that by doing the event. You know, Aaron Style. I get to pick the artists, get to meet them, get to you know be a big part of all that stuff going on. And um, and as far as me playing music, like for sure. I I mean, the band broke up ages ago, but mm. um, but yeah, I still kind of mess around and and, and uh, have a studio at the house, and it's great. I'm sure it'll all come back into your life at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. Moving on to the music, then. What what are you yeah. gonna play for us then? I mean, Speaking of your music, is there anything you could play of yours, baby? Of mine? Is there anything oh, recorded man, out know. there? Or do you um, just want to play something that you love? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's play some... some. Uh, that's the old stuff. Yeah, we don't want to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get the new stuff. Uh, yeah, let's do Fantagram. Yeah. So what's you this song? Tell us about get, the song. You Don't Get Me High Anymore. It's their new single. Um, this band's amazing. I met them uh, while I was in New York at SNL. Awesome. Walking backstage <laughs> at SNL, I bumped into them and we became good friends. And I've I've booked them plenty of times to come play, um, Aaron Style, and so they're just incredible, amazing two piece.
You're listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today is three-time Olympic gold medalist, Sean White, incredible snowboarder and skater, musician as well as we just heard. But look, uh, you just did something very recently that was pretty ridiculous. You were, you were hanging out with Tony Hawk <coughs> and Kelly Slater, two of the other what are considered greatest of all time in their fields, Yeah. at Kelly Slater's wave pool. I mean, <laughs> Don't forget Eddie Vedder. Oh, it was Eddie Vedder there as well. So another <laughs> yeah. greatest of all time. I mean, like, what the hell? Don't How damn. do you get yourself into that situation? <laughs> don't leave out Eddie. Uh, man, it's nuts. I don't know. People, you know, they ask me, like, what's famous? What's what's it like to be famous? You know, is it like, what's the fame thing? And, like, mm. you don't think of it much. And then all of a sudden you're at a wave pool <laughs> with Kelly Slater, Eddie Vedder, and Tony Hogg. And it's like a normal, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah we're hanging out as buds. Of, yeah. of course. Why would I, you know what I mean? And, like, Eddie pulls out the guitar and Kelly's tearing the wave apart. I mean, it was just incredible. Um yeah, so I got invited up to his his wave pool, the 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 surf ranch there, and it was just awesome. I I I'm embarrassed to say, but I've never really been fully barreled before. Like I've yeah. had the shoulder action, and I've never just like really been barreled. And so when I got up there by like the third or second wave, I I got fully in the barrel, and it was just an incredible feeling. And um, what's it like surfing that wave compared to a normal wave? It's interesting. I mean, the whitewash is a little bit more grabby. Okay. You know, it'll pull you off the wave pretty easily, so you got to, you know, stay on the face a bit more, mm-hmm. but um but it's cool. I mean, that's the thing about it is is <clears throat> it's it's a predictable thing. So you know it's going to slightly barrel at this point and then it's really going to barrel later on and this is the the times to make some turns and things like that. So you can kind of map it out. I mean, that's always the frustrating part about surfing out in the ocean I've always found is that you know, um you're like, God, if I had that same exact wave again, I would know it was going to steepen. I'd go for the air. I'd go for yeah, the turn. Yeah. Or why didn't I cut back? I got shut out. You know, those kind of things. Um, 
and, and you know it, it'll never replace the spontaneity of you know being out in the ocean and getting that like magic set that rolls through with 20 other dudes yeah. trying to catch it it's <laughs> pretty wild isn't it? but but it's it's incredible and i was so pumped to be there and like man tony's a legend Kelly's just the ultimate, and uh, yeah, I'm just pumped. Tony Hawk, actually, like, who is a good, legitimately good friend of yours? He, yeah. he said something recently that I thought was fascinating. Like when you were going into Pyeongchang, and he said you, he he hoped that just for a while, like that you win it, and that yeah. it can kind of somewhat distract America from the shitness of Trump, and and that maybe for one second Trump won't tweet about it and like won't own <laughs> it. I mean, what do you what do you think of Trump? Like, yeah, what is how do you perceive America at the moment in that regards? Man, it's it's a trip. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, and there's so much going on. It's just like, I just think it's a crazy world in general. You know what I mean? We just got so much going on with social media and all these things. And, and look at the childish childish Gamb- uh, Gambino video. I can't even talk right now. <laughs> Fair enough, you got a long day. Childish Gambino video. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so much going on. It's just a trip. Um, I'm definitely still proud of being American. You know what I mean? I, I loved being at the Olympics and representing the USA and, and, and doing our thing. And it's like one guy doesn't make or break the country. And, you know, I don't really well, have any, almost the opposite any that, I comments guess, about like America, it. But what? It, I think it's almost the opposite of that for America. It's, it's, it's the people, they can have someone who's so shit as a leader. But the way in which the government's structured with the states, you can actually be independent in a place like that and do good around the world still in, in some sort of way. So yeah, yeah. it's an interesting I, thing. I don't know. It's so weird. I mean, I, to be frank, I mean, I, I've always just, I've not been very political or very religious or very anything. I just kind of like, go through life and 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 what feels good and right i go with and what doesn't i just you know i kind of let it wash by and i move on and that's kind of how i've done things so i don't know i don't don't really have a a a a big opinion Mm -hmm. on all of it but you know it's just it is just a wild time right now and it's like there's so many magical things that are going on and so many terrible things going on and it's just kind of like where do you I don't know, and, and, and I, 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 I think my my thing about it is, is like, where do you get the real information? Mm, mm. It's just like I don't know. There's so many like contradicting stories coming from all different sides of the field, and it's just kind of like it's hard. It's hard these yeah, days to try and navigate yeah, that space. It's just kind of like, and then all this like later information comes out, and there's like I don't know. It's just a trip. But look, uh, moving on to the music, <laughs> what are you going to play for us next? You got a few different things for us. You've got you know some Weezer. You've got some Black Lips. What are, what are you thinking? Um. What do we want to play? We want to play Lemon. We're getting, we have some friends in the studio that want to play Lemon. <laughs> we have a, a nerd song we're going to throw on. Nerd, sweet, yeah, Lemon. Yeah, what, yeah. What is, why does this song mean something to you? Because uh, Pharrell's the man, and um, he's just crushing it lately, and I just dig like everything he's about, so I picked this one. The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Hey, bad bitches want to be my bait. Hey, hold me down like the CIA. Hey, sat in my car trying to see my face. I get it, not living. Wait a minute. 
to the top. Nigga, the vape run die. Wait a minute. Tell the paparazzi to get the lens right. Wait a minute. Got the window down top, Wait. won't lie. Wait a minute. Got the hazard on, only going fly. Wait a minute. You can catch me. Bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing. You can catch me. Wait a minute. Listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio, my name is Serge Negus. My guest here today has been three-time Olympic gold medalist and fifteen-time X Games gold medalist, snowboarder, skater, and musician Sean White. Now, look, you've got to tell us about this ridiculous festival that you're bringing here. You're going to set it up in the domain. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the ramp and what the competition's going to be like. You know, it's going to be crazy. I'm I'm so excited. The ramp itself is just absolutely massive. It's it's 16 stories tall, 135 meters long, and we have the world's best coming out. Uh, a lot of actually Olympic medalists are coming through. Kyle Mack, Red Gerard, Anna Gasser, and then we have a whole field of skiers that are going to c- come and compete, um, which isn't something that we we normally do, but we're trying to grow the event. We had skiing the first time we ever did the event in the United States uh, in Los Angeles, and then we kind of like shifted things around, and it didn't it didn't make sense with the timeline. But I'm happy to have them back here awesome. in Sydney. Um, but it's incredible. You're going to show up. You're going to see amazing music. You're going to see the world's best compete in winter sports. Um, and uh, there's food, there's friends, there's fun. Who doesn't like a party? You know what I mean? It's one of those. Certainly not. Certainly Sydney likes a party. Yeah, that's, that's sure. what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so pumped to be in Sydney, and it's such a perfect setting for us because it's such a, a, a sport culture already. But you got the music, you got the fashion, you got all these people that, that want to have a good time. And I think uh, it, it's going to make for a, for a heck of an event. You also said recently that Sydney's like, you know, one of the only places in the world where you could actually live, where you've, you've come here and thought, yeah, I could do this. I mean, yeah. What is it about Sydney that, that you gravitate towards? It's the breakfast. <laughs> it's amazing. Not the harbour. Yeah, the harbor. It's the poached nice eggs too, right? with the. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, honestly, it's like the food. It's everything. It's like the food's great. It's like a good atmosphere. You can surf. You can go snowboard. You can go skating. You can you can kind of easily get to other places in the world. I don't know. It's just like it's kind of like a hub for those things. And um, I'm kind of like. A shame to haven't seen more of the city. Actually, we've been running around doing so much promotional things that we've we've um, you know been all over Sydney, and it's been a trip. Even yeah. just from when I was here as a kid, it's changed so dramatically. When it's was the such last time hub. you were here? I mean, I was here in twenty. What was it? Right before the Olympics, so twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah. That's when we were training. Um, I want to say oh, I've been you trained, since then. You actually then. trained here. You had a, a, a pipe yeah, built a down in pipe up a parachute. parachute didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. That's Dude, we flew wild. a giant like the cutting machine down here, and we left it here for the Australian, so the, you know, riders to to keep and to use. No yeah, it was way. crazy. Yeah, that's a pretty altruistic thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Of. It was kind and of. I mean, well, what then? Well, let's think about it in that context then, because someone like Scotty James, who's yeah. you know one of your biggest competitors, an Aussie guy from mm-hmm. down down the traps there. Yeah, what was so I you, thinking? You've probably shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's been a trip is I don't think they've actually um, been able to no been able to use it because um, they need a certain amount of snowfall mm. to build the half pipe mm. and and without it they need to do dirt work and of course it's Australia has there's like a yellow spotted lizard or something that's yeah, like yeah. It's a pygmy made possum. its yeah. home in this area yeah. uh, and so I guess unfortunately I haven't been able to use it I'm sure at some point they'll, they'll figure out a way to put it in a, another zone that the lizard isn't you know yeah, yeah. inhabiting that is so funny it's because <laughs> yeah, all the snow down here yeah. it's all in national parks and yeah. it's protected and so yeah. they can't do the other that's no for sure for sure but uh, but that's cool man I mean I, I, I don't know it's funny and people talk about my competitors and all those things and it and it's funny. It's like I know. What's it, what's the saying? I, I don't run unless I'm being chased. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. like you need those kind of guys out there pushing the envelope and making making it a better sport, making it challenging, so it's exciting. And I feel more motivated to go and and do my thing. I would have retired a long time ago if it wasn't for you know guys like that pushing me. So. Yeah. Well, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Out of the Box. We right do on. have time for one last song, though. What are you going to play for us as an out? Oof. What do you got on there? We Let's got see. The Black Lips we haven't played yet. Ooh. We've got yeah, Weezer. What else have you got here? You've got uh, Avi Buffalo. Those are pretty good. Uh, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, Weezer's pretty great. Let's end on Weezer. Sounds good, mate. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Radio 94.5. me sane I don't want steel-eyed believers I want to rust right through their side It's my pagan rage that gets me through the night And I never let you down Always be around to let it all wash over you. Let it all wash over you. Like a fool, I still believe in you. I dig through all the dirt of metal to make me feel brand new. Shows me what to do And there's a wall straight
you down. 